1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time
2: to play the game.
3: It may be the nighttime,
4: But
0: the sports talk doesn't stop Sports talk
1: radio that's live, local And
0: not for the faint of heart Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry Loud noises! Telling it like it is
4: You insulted him a little bit You got a little out of order yourself And
0: pretty much always
4: right Don't ever argue with the big dog Big dog is always right Text or call 404-741-0929 And be part of the show Well... We're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia Studios on this Monday evening. Going to be with you for the full four. We are asking you to download the Odyssey app. We know you're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. You can use your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. You can use your Coleco, your Ring doorbell, your Blu-ray. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 the Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to keep up with us is through our personal Twitter pages. I'm at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance. of anybody else that is out there. Day is producing the show as always. On the other side of the glass, he is at the D. D. Lewis for real. Well, bunch to get into with you here the, uh, this evening. Um, we are, and I believe I'm right on this math. I, I may be a little bit off on there. I was trying to, I was trying to do math and trying to figure out times and all this kind of stuff. So uh, we are T minus 62 and a half hours until training camp. Until training camp officially opens up for the first open practice. So that's Thursday morning at nine thirty, right? Does that seem like it's about the right kind of math on all that stuff? Yeah,
2: probably give or take a few minutes, maybe. Yeah,
4: yeah. So I mean, again, we're we're sixty-two, sixty-two and a half hours away from training camp opening up for fans to be there Thursday. Obviously, now we will start all of our coverage coming up on Thursday, and we'll we got you covered. Okay, we got the we got what is it? The morning shaft. We got the, the Chuck House. Uh, we've got uh, Dandy and Randy. Uh, we got. Everything uh, there, and then Dukes and Bell will be at the Hooters at uh, Mall of Georgia. So we've got you covered all this Thursday and Friday and then all next week long. We even got shows going on up in Flowery Branch over the weekend, and I've done plenty of those shows. We've cleaned out porta potties uh, We've been there when there was nobody there. Uh, we watched Scott Pioli walk around the um, parking lot area where he's just getting some exercise in. So I've seen everything seen everything. So I I've, I've I've been there. We 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 got up there when Good Humor ran out of ice cream bars where they had this big sponsorship for Good Humor and you know all this and we had Good Humor on our shirts and all that kind of stuff and then they ran out ice cream bars.
2: Nice. Like about
4: like about <laughs> in that
2: heat. <laughs> like like yeah, like
4: about like about an hour in. So again, we've seen a little bit of uh, everything um up at training camp. So, uh, but I think, what is it? you got to go online, ticketmaster.com yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, go online I mean, to no get your cost. ticket. Yeah, yeah,
2: no cost. It's just a matter of it's which, just a,
4: a matter of attendance as right. far as how many people that they're letting exactly. in and stuff like that. Yeah. And there is construction and everything else which that's going that's on up why. there. Which that's why. Yeah. So, again, it's, um, you know, a lot going on. But um, it's officially here. I mean, it's training camp week. It's hard to imagine. But, you know, again, all of the lead-up, all of the build-up, all of the off-season, all of the draft, you know, all of these different things that have gone on. You know, from really, you know, the end of January leading up to this moment of roster construction and getting ready for a new season. So we're going to open up the phone lines uh, at 720 here. So we're going to let you uh, chime in because I'm going to ask a question about the Atlanta Braves or sorry about the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll get you involved here coming up in the next segment. Um Good weekend for the Braves. You know, won the rubber match yesterday, Um uh, took two out of three from the Milwaukee Brewers. Now they'll get ready to go up to Fenway and play the Red Sox. So they got two games against the Red Sox. They're off tonight. So two games against the Red Sox. And then they'll come back home and have another three-game set against the Milwaukee Brewers. And as we start action tonight, the uh, Philadelphia Phillies are 11 and a half back. The Miami Fishnets are 11 and a half back. The Mutts are 18 and a half back. That's all you need to know as, again, the division's over. So now Braves are making moves, right? They picked up some pitching, you know, and specifically to help out this, you know, relief corps. as, you know, obviously, look, they've gone through lots of injuries, and they are, you know, looking to add as many arms as they can. Taylor Hearn comes over from the Texas Rangers. He's a left-hander. Pierce Johnson from the Rockies. Uh, They gave up a couple of prospects, you know, for him. He's pitched well outside of Coors Field. Uh, Didn't pitch well at Coors Field, but who does? So, again, they've added some pieces. Now, here's the main move that they made today that just is, I'll I'll say, frustrating, okay? So, uh, the Braves today acquired uh, right-handed pitcher Yanni Chirinos uh, off waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays and designated right-handed pitcher Seth Elridge for assignment. Additionally, the club optioned right-handed pitcher Michael Soroka to AAA Gwinnett following today's game. Okay, what exactly are we learning about Michael Soroka doing the Partridge family bus tour from Gwinnett to Buford and back? Again, at some point, Michael Soroka is either going to be a contributor to this ball club, whether it's this year or next, or not. And look, they've got arbitration that they've got to offer him in the offseason. I'm wondering now, I mean, if, if you're doing all of this and you have don't really have any confidence about Michael Soroka getting things fixed up at the big league level and you've got Kyle Wright coming back at some point, you're going to have Ian Anderson at some point next year. Max Fried is coming back. Like the the starting staff, that's if you don't do anything at the deadline or in the offseason to bolster your starting staff. Where's ever going to pitch? You're going to just leave Soroka down at Gwinnett? So I wonder about what the long-term future is for Michael Soroka. Why, why, would you, why would you offer him something in arbitration if you don't plan on using him? Or if you're not going to let him get things fixed up here? And that's my biggest gripe is, okay, I know he's not been lights out, but at some point he's been a competent Major League pitcher. He's been more than a competent Major League pitcher. He's one of the best young pitchers in all of Major League Baseball a few years ago before the injuries derailed him. If he can't get it figured up here, just give him his outright release. Maybe Michael Soroka at this point needs a change of scenery. You know, you know, we talk about that, and and again, I'm not saying that Michael Soroka needs a change from the Braves because, you know, the Braves aren't winning enough or this, that, and that. Maybe Michael Soroka needs a change of scenery. Maybe he needs to get away from the organization that he's been a part of for all of these years and go start fresh and anew somewhere. Because if it's not going to happen here, and and if it's not now, when? When they're still beat up, banged up in the rotation. When we're still beat up and, you know, searching for guys to stabilize spots in a rotation. And, you know, Freed is going to make one more rehab start, it sounds like. Okay, so, you know, he's going to make one more start, which will be like probably Wednesday. And then you're going to figure next week before he's back and... We're not going to see, you know, right for a little while yet. I mean, he's throwing on some flat ground, but he's nowhere near, you know, a rehab assignment and Ian Anderson's gone, you know, and it's like, okay, if, if he can't break through in all this, then when does it actually happen for him? When When is going to be the right time for Michael Soroka to break through on this roster and stabilize a rotational spot? And again, we talked, you know, Dana and I talked about this last week. Look, I don't need Soroka to be lights out. I just need him to be a competent piece. Can he just be competent? Again, it was six innings of four run, you know, ball in his last start. That's not great, but that's not terrible. The way this offense scores runs, hell, if I get a starting pitcher that only gives up three or four runs, you know, in one of their starts, I'll take that all day long. When we're out there bashing, you know, people home and hitting home runs left and right. By the way, Austin Riley, NL player of the week. This past week. Why? Because he seems like he homered in every game. Seems like for a week straight he was homering every time he played. So he's got it cranked up, and he feels like he's about to be on one of these heaters where he carries the Braves for about two weeks on his shoulders and just, you know, totes them around. So, again, I I trust our offense, and our offense is getting it done, and that's a good pitching staff that the Brewers have. That's part of the big reason why they are – You know, in first place, the way that they are is, you know, they've they've pitched really well. Their offense is okay. You know, Yelich has been all right, but he ain't Christian Yelich like we saw a few years ago. He ain't winning back-to-back batting titles and 40 homers and 100 runs and 100 RBI and stealing a lot of bases. But, you know, I don't know if he's that player ever again. But, you know, Braves are getting it done. And, you know, we, we certainly – I wonder – I still wonder whether or not if it doesn't make sense to go get another starter at the deadline. And Alex Anthopoulos pretty much left everything open, you know. Um, so I, I really think that there could be another starting pitcher added into the mix, which, you know, at that point, then it's like, okay, where are we at with Soroka? I mean, at this point, why, why, would, why would the Braves either bring Soroka back up or just, you know, release him or do or let him pitch through the end of the year. Or I, I don't know. Like, what are we learning in Buford? Just let him pitch the rest of the year down there. At least he did not have to get on the Partridge family bus and, you know, make a tour around, you know, and start with the uh, peacocks and all that, you know, singing get happy, you know. I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Either just let him pitch down there or bring him up here and run him through but I don't think they're gonna do that. And again, they're you know, some of these guys, you know, part of the reason why they've made some of these trades, and we'll talk to our buddy Chris Willis coming up here at um at 820. But, you know, part of the reason that they're making some of these moves for the relief pitching is they're out of options on some of these guys. Like they either have to make a decision, either, either you're gonna let a guy go or you're gonna to have to bring him up at the club full time. Well, they're starting to get out of options on some of these things. So we'll see. But I I I just I I'm flummoxed about the whole Michael Soroka thing. I want to see him up here. I want to see him figure it out. I want to see him work it out at the Major League level. But they obviously did not uh, agree with all of that. Uh, The class of uh, 2023 Hall of Fame was inducted yesterday. Fred McGriff uh, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And um, I did not see the speech or what have you. But, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, a lot of good things. And uh, obviously – You know, McGriff, uh, one of the cornerstones for this franchise through that 1990s run. And, um, you know, besides Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, and Chipper, he was another one of the stalwarts, right? And obviously the big trade that brought him over here. And uh, what he homered on, what was it, he homered on his first night when the fire broke out in the press box, right? So, again, um, Fred McGriff, legendary player, and uh, now takes his place in Cooperstown alongside the, as they say, the Immortals. Uh, in all of it, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. We will talk to our friend of the show, Tory McElhaney, coming up here at 7:40 this evening, as um, you know, Falcons training camp opens up, and you know we're going to be up there, you know, starting on Thursday, and we get full coverage. Uh, what is it, uh, Day I think it's is it two weeks from two weeks from Thursday is the first preseason game
2: of the actual season not just you mean for us for the Falcons for the, or just uh, in for general
4: the, No for the Falcons the the first preseason game I think is is it 2 weeks from Thursday I can't I can't remember specifically but I think it's 2 weeks from Thursday is the Falcons first preseason
2: game. Yeah the 24th I mean I'm sorry the 11th so that is uh 2 weeks from
4: Thursday yeah, Yep 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 so um again even my brain functions a little bit every now and then so but uh, it's coming up quick. I mean, trust me, camp will fly by. It'll fly by and it'll it'll be in our rearview mirror very quickly and we'll start moving on to, you know, preseason football and seeing about rosters and different things like that. The Falcons really probably don't have that many 53-man spots that are really open. Um, they've got some competition that's going to happen, but I don't know how many spots they really have open because you feel like they're in pretty good shape as far as the, the depth of their roster goes. So, We'll see what happens, but we'll talk to Tori McElhaney coming up at 740. All right, here's what we got. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. That is our phone line to join us, okay? The biggest strength and the biggest concern for the Falcons as we head into camp. Biggest strength, biggest concern for the Falcons that we have in the camp. I think mine will be pretty obvious, but we'll get my thoughts, we'll get Day days thoughts, and we'll get your thoughts more importantly as well. four zero four seven two six oh nine two nine 726 929 Chuck Green, Kia Studios on this Monday evening. Sports
3: Radio 92.9 The Game, com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery
4: show, hanging out in the Kia Studios Monday night with you. All right, 404-726-0929. That is our phone line. It's also our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Asking you the question, your biggest strength and your biggest biggest concern for the Falcons as we head into training camp. We'll talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. Chris Willis at 820, about an hour from now, we'll talk some Braves baseball with him. Day, Day. if I ask you what's the biggest strength, biggest concern for this Falcons team going into this uh, training camp and uh, beyond and headed into the season, what do you think it is right now?
2: Um, me, biggest strength, I'm going to say defense. I just love the additions that they uh, they brought in, you know, Kuda Bates, onyamata, Calais Campbell, uh, you know, hopefully A.J., you know, Terrell returns to you know his rookie season stat you know uh, play and uh, I just really think you know defensively what they've done is really they just on paper they look good to me defensively right um, biggest concern would be is how quickly everything can come together offensively for Desmond Ritter um, and more so because of the impatience of fans because we just as a fan base as a, you know we we tend to we want you know we have the microwave society thought process now when it comes to sports and um I just don't want people to get impatient with with uh with Ritter but I don't feel like he's going to be out there just you know uh messing up. You know what I mean? I think he's in a good position and I just don't want the fans to like have this expectations of his numbers needing to be somewhere where they probably really shouldn't be just yet, you know what I mean? So
4: Well, let's I mean, let's let's be honest, okay?
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
4: All of their plans blew up in their face as far as succession plan for Matt Ryan. So, again, when they were looking to move on from their franchise quarterback, potential Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame quarterback, all of the things that they did blew up in their face. Right. Like, it didn't just kind of, well, no, it blew up. Mm -hmm. Because the Deshaun Watson thing, Matt wanting, you know, out, and, I mean, all of it, and, and he didn't get a chance to kind of work with anybody. It all blew up in their face. The Marcus Mariota experiment, yeah. that blew up in their face. I mean, so with all due respect, everything that has happened at quarterback has blown up in their face. Yeah. And then we hope that Desmond Ritter is a guy that can stabilize that position. Again, I'm not asking him to go out and play MVP caliber football, but he's got to be a guy that stabilizes the position. And so I understand. I, 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 think, that's a, I think that's a legitimate thing um, to be concerned about. Um, the thing that I think is the team's biggest strength is just those five guys up front on the offensive line. I just think that that unit, as a whole, that you, yes, there are there are some bits and pieces and things like that, but I think you can I think you can get away with some of the things that they're looking to get away with, whether it's Bergeron at left guard or what have you. I, I just think that the, for what this team's identity is. And for what their playing personality is to mm-hmm. to steal a bobachism, then it all starts with their offensive line. Right, and and that's one of the things that that they built up in Tennessee was a really strong offensive line for Derrick Henry, and obviously Algier was a thousand yard rusher that ran behind that offensive line. And when you put McGary and Lindstrom on the right hand side and they're run blocking, they're they're moving people where they want.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And, and I think that that's a real key because. You can't have your offensive identity and and you can't have your playing personality without some of those things in place without without those, you know without those guys that are up front blocking everybody. And we're gonna talk about Jake Matthews here coming up in the um the Falcons flyover because again, when you talk to scouts and players and things like that, they realize how good Jake Matthews um, has been. so that that's that I think is their biggest strength is that their playing personality, their identity is solidified because of their offensive line. Right. Now, it's very simple what I think their biggest concern is. I mean, it's going to be pass rush. And, you know, again, I will, I will keep the Ghostbusters theory intact. Uh, I, again, I have the Ghostbusters theory. We are ready to believe you. And I know all the defensive pieces that they added and all this good kind of stuff, okay? But I still don't see a guy that's going to get me 10 sacks now can Katie do that can this guy do that can this guy do this can this guy do sure so a lot of hope and prayers and possibilities and things like that that come into play that there there are there are very few unknowns or sorry I'm sorry very few knowns you know when you look right. at impacting at the point of attack i know Jesse Bates and AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda are good corners but those guys aren't gonna sack the quarterback. Right. And you're either gonna win at the line of scrimmage. You're either gonna win at the line of scrimmage or you ain't gonna win. And trust me, if you think if you think cornerbacks, if you think Bates and Okuda and AJ Terrell can cover for five or six seconds while quarterbacks just stand back there and do nothing and lollygag around all day, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. Those guys aren't gonna be able to cover everybody coming all out after them and stand back there for five or six seconds and cover everybody. Guys, will be open. Quarterbacks will make those kinds of plays if we can't figure out a way to put some of these quarterbacks on their us. And that's still my concern. Definitely have a question about uh, the team's pass rush. Oh, boy. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I I we're kind of overblowing sacks. I mean, so <laughs> again, day we're we're kind of, you know, probably talking up sacks a little bit too much and
0: you the know, more like, you look huh? at the advanced analytics, what? the more you see how valuable sacks are. And- oh, okay.
4: All right. You know, if if only somebody had preached that for years, gosh almighty, if only somebody was talking about those kinds of things. But anyway, uh and given stats and numbers and facts and, and figures and all and right. all that stuff. So uh again, four oh four seven two six Oh, nine uh, two nine um I think the other strength is our secondary, and I, I really think that the back end of our secondary with the additions of Bates and Jeff Okuda, I think that's really invigorated some life. And and I will say that I think the biggest addition for our secondary, uh, the, the biggest addition for our secondary is bringing Jerry Gray in and, and having a stabilizing force. Look, uh, I don't know if you read the quotes about what Jair Alexander had to say about Jerry Gray, but he was – you know, Jair Alexander, one of the better corners in all of the NFL. He made the top fifty, right? Okay. Jerry uh, Jair Alexander has nothing but great things to say about Jerry Gray. He, he he praises him and he he talks about how how much he benefited from having Jerry Gray as a coach with him when Jerry Gray was the defensive backs coach for the Green Bay Packers. Benefited immensely, and I really like our secondary. I think Okuda is going to have himself a big year. I think A.J. Terrell is going to have the bounce-back year that we expected out of him. Uh, I think Jesse Bates will have a good year. I think their secondary is 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 going to become a real strength for this football team. And we can get away with, you know, the Mike Hughes and guys like that, you know, but really think that this uh, another strength of this football team is the quality of play of that secondary. And if Jeff Okuda can live up to some of the expectation – and some of the hype that surrounded him, we'll be in good shape. I mean, we'll, we'll be in good shape because I think A.J. Terrell is going to come back, um, and I think Bates is going to have a good year for them. But I, I definitely think that this secondary is another big-time strength of this team. alright zero four seven let Let's go out to Brian out in
3: Decatur. What's going on, Brian? How are you doing? Good, man. What's going on, bud? All right, I'm a little controversial, but I'm going to make my point kind of quick. As far as strength, I think it is Desmond Ritter, and I'll tell you why. He only has to be Tannehill. This is not a coach that's going to give him 6,000 yards, 5,000 yards ability to throw. Right. So he only has to be above average. That's all he has to be. And I think that based off of what he did with Mariota, he's going to be better at quarterback. So that's why I say the strength is actually quarterback, even though everyone thinks differently. My weakness is the lack of young talent on offense. Well, not offense, but on defense. That's what I think. Because if you have injuries or anything like that, on the pass rush, we already know if you rush from the middle, Ebicade and those other guys are going to get get sacks just because of the pressure from the middle. Quarterbacks hate pressure in their face. That's all. I appreciate it. And, look, I I don't
4: disagree with the Desmond Ritter comment because – they're not going to put him in a, they're not going to put him in an un, a disadvantageous situation is that a word disadvantageous i don't know if it is uh, but they're not going to put him in a disadvantageous situation you're not going to ask him to throw for 5000 yards you don't need him to throw for 6000 yards you don't need him to throw 40 touchdowns i'd love all that stuff but you don't have to have it now what's interesting is your point about the young talent on defense and you know, I, I I like the mix though. I will say, I like the mix of young talent that they have mixed in with some of the veterans. Now, I do think though that the veterans have to step their game up. I, I think that Grady and Onyemata and Calais Campbell. I think all of these guys they have to step their game up. And I will be curious to see because again, I, I've put all the pressure in the world. I think. I think the most pressure on the defensive side of the football is Arnold Ibikati. I think he has to be the guy that performs at a high, high level. If if he can't be that kind of fire breather that comes off the edge and and he gives the, you know, the Falcons a a legitimate pass rushing threat every time out, I, I don't know if there's enough sacks to go around for everybody. I don't know if there's enough sacks to just say, okay, we can, we can still be a dominant defense if, they, uh, sorry, if uh, Arnold Ibikati, um doesn't do much, I, I just I don't see that happening. I just I don't see. I think he's the real linchpin for what this defense is going to be, and if he can create a lot of pressure coming around from the outside, that's going to free some other guys up to get through the middle. You know, I think our offensive or sorry, our defensive line on the interior is probably as good as it's been in a long, long time. With Don Yamada, with Grady, with Take On Graham. I, I like what we have going on up front. And and Campbell will probably play, you know, a little bit here or there, you know, on the inside. But I think that we have guys that can be guys that be disruptive in the backfield. If nothing else, if they're not sacking the quarterback, again, to your point, they can free some of those guys up to basically allow some of the outside guys to um, you know, get after the quarterback. And maybe that frees up the, you know, again, if it's Campbell on the outside or Lorenzo Carter, you know, you know, Caden Ellis, you know, can Caden Ellis be a guy that had seven sacks last year? In three years, he had one sack. First three years in league, had one sack with special teams, uh, with basically him playing mostly special teams, and then last year had a chance to really start because of injury, and parlayed that into a nice contract for the Falcons with the Falcons and. Had seven sacks for it, so I, I'm I'm hoping that our pass rush is a it becomes a strength of our team. I'm hoping that our pass rush is something that becomes a real strength of this football team. Uh, even if even if we just I'll, I'll say even if we're not forty sacks, can we get to thirty? You know, can we be a thirty sack team that gets you more at least in the realm of okay, we can do some things defensively and we maybe have more of a playoff-caliber defense. And I heard Freaky say earlier on the show, oh, I expect a Ritter to, to score 28, 29, 30 points. You know, if you, do you know how few teams score 30 points in the NFL? Do you know how few teams are? And, and that's really reserved for the Kansas Cities and, and the greatest show on turf and people like that. Like, that's very limited as far as who's really scoring 30 points in today, even in today's NFL all right, let's grab D out of Atlanta before we get to break. What's going on, D?
3: Hey, brother, Chuckery. How you doing, man? Hey, Good to talk to you again. Yeah, man. What's going on, buddy? Uh, you know, same old, same old. Hey, uh, you know, the Falcons, you said it the best, and I bleed red and black. I'm a diehard, and if we don't get the quarterback on the ground, and I hate to bring up the Patriots Super Bowl because that burns my ass every time I do it. Sorry. And – you know, I tell you, getting him on the ground was the key to scoring all those points that we did in the first half of that game. And if you watch every NFL game you ever played against a goat, you get him on the ground, and he doesn't know what to do.
4: And you force him, and, and you and you also force him into, you know, being again throwing the football early and different things like that. I mean, so that that it it also opens you up to trying to create turnovers as well.
3: Yeah, so if we don't get anybody on the ground, I don't care who we brought in on this team. That, that's, that's not going to matter. Our offense is going to be great, but I'm just still hoping the defense does their job.
4: I appreciate the phone you know? call. Yep, I appreciate it. And, again, um, as I say, we're we're ready to believe you, as the Ghostbusters continue to say. All right, when we get back, Tori McElhaney will join us up next. We'll continue the Falcons conversation. Check in the Key Studios,
3: sports radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game back at a Chukri show,
4: hanging out in the Kia studios on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, we're just a, a little bit over 60 hours away from the first official practice of the 2023 Falcons training camp. And, of course, we'll have all of your coverage Thursday, Friday, and then all of the following week. We'll be up there all weekend long, all week, and then we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline to talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. She covers all things Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can follow her on her personal Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, are you rested and relaxed and ready to go? Do you got your battery charged back up as we get ready for camp on Thursday?
0: I sure do. You know, I just got back from the beach with my family, so I I think I'm ready. I say that every year, and then we get a weekend, and I'm exhausted. So who knows? <laughs> Ask me again in a week, and I'll tell you how I really feel.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, and obviously it will be you know nice and hot and bright and um, you know all those good things are up there. But you know, Tori, one of the things about this defense, especially, is you know it feels like that there are not really much. There's really not much. Competition, just as far as kind of spots to be had, um, you know. I don't know if the second corner is in limbo or anything like that. Is I, I would assume that it's Okuda's job, but really, it feels like defensively for the first time in a long time that this unit is pretty well set, and they've got some depth, and they've got some pieces, and everybody kind of knows where they fit right now.
0: Yeah, I I actually would agree with that. I mean, when you and I think that's a byproduct of when you have money to spend in free agency, you can go out and get those big ticket players, and those big ticket players are going to be your starters. And so I think where we've been in the last couple of years before this past off season, you really didn't have that, and so you had more competition just because you had a lot of guys on similar levels in terms of you know, those mid-level veterans that they were bringing in on one-year deals. So there was a little bit more competition. But now if you bring in Jesse Bates and you bring in David Onyemata and Calais Campbell and Bud Dupree and all these guys, you know that they're going to be not only starters but heavily in the rotation. And and so I, I really do feel that way. But the only position that I feel on the defensive side of the ball that has a little bit of competition is at nickel. I wasn't expecting there to be a huge competition between Mike Hughes and D. offered, but I really felt that way during OTAs in the spring and getting into May and June, that that was, a, that was one spot on the defense that I was really looking forward to seeing how it played out through training camp, because through OTAs, I felt like they were really pushing each other, and I, I was very, very surprised by that. So,
4: Torrey, as, you know, again, B. John Robinson will be – entering his first training camp for the Falcons. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you a question. So do you think – so the Falcons' um, the Falcons' most uh, reception yards by a running back in team history is 735 from William Andrews. I'm going to talk about this later on in the show. 735 yards uh, from William Andrews in 1981. I'm going to ask you the question. Do you think B. John Robinson could – achieve more yards than that or do you think he will be under that number
0: oh that's a great question I mean if you're just going by like simple math and over the course of three years at Texas I believe he only had like 308 receiving yards total so not saying that that's going to translate directly to you know what he'll do with the Falcons but I do think because of the fact that Desmond Ritter does have a lot of options, I don't necessarily think that you can get to that high of a number if you're expecting Bajon Robinson to play a significant role as a true running back. And I and I do think that what you're gonna see more of is see him more as a running back. I know, you know, everybody talks about how the offensive weapon that he is, but when I really look at this offense and kind of understanding that, okay, Drake London's gonna be out there, Kyle Pitts Cordero Patterson should have a bigger role in the past game than he did last year when he was kind of out of necessity, more of a featured back. I think he'll have more of an opportunity to look how he did in 2021 in terms of his usage. And, and you got you, you. also have guys like Johnny Smith that I think is going to fly on or the radar and, Scotty Miller and Matt Hollins. I mean, all of these guys, I think you have so many options in the past game that I do think that Bajon Robinson's going to get his catches and he's going to get his opportunities and targets. But I don't. Well, I I would be very surprised if it's that significant of a number.
4: Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us here on the com hotline. So is the plan to start Matt Hennessey, um with the ones in, in training camp? I mean, that was – Kind of the theme about OTAs, and certainly Matthew Bergeron is probably going to get a look see, but I wonder if they're going to work him in a little bit slowly. Would the plan be for Matt Hennessy to kind of start with the ones right away at left guard?
0: That's what I'm really thinking is because when you look at Matthew Bergeron, I think that there's not a huge pressing need for him to like go in day one and be the starting left guard and they just run with him until the wheels fall off like i i don't necessarily think that that's the trajectory that you need to have with someone who is playing this position for the very very first time i think you ran into that issue with Jalen mayfield and i understood you know with Jalen mayfield it was a different set of circumstances and he was kind of forced into that Left guard spot, and I think he was forced into it before he was ready for it. And I I do wonder a lot if he would have been able to have a year under his belt where he actively was playing that position in practice every single day, how different it would have looked for him. And I think the Falcons wouldn't want to make that same mistake with a guy like Matthew Bergeron, especially when you have Matt Hennessy there who has that experience. Granted, it's not a whole, whole lot of experience, but he has more experience there. He's older, he's been in the league for a minute. You don't have to force Matthew Bergeron into that spot if he's not yet ready for it. Give him time to grow and evolve as a specifically a left guard. I think you kind of look at the, the idea of what they did with Richie Grant. Richie Grant was a second-round pick, but they didn't throw him out there in the very, very first year as a starter. They slowly morphed him into that role. Same thing with Troy Anderson last year. You, you see that they really put a lot in this idea of developing these second, third-round picks and not just throwing them out there. And so I think Matthew Bergeron kind of falls under a very, very similar – type of development path.
4: My concern is is this, is that um, I think Hennessy and Dolman are two undersized offensive linemen, and I feel like I can live with one of those guys if they're at guard or center. My concern is when they're arm-in-arm, arm standing side-by-side side with one another, those are two undersized guys that could potentially get pushed around and you know again that was part of the problem for for Hennessy in his first year was getting pushed backward my concern is just when if you line those two guys up side by side that defenses are going to try to push this team right into the backfield you know with those two guys right up front
0: yeah, I, I think that's a, a valid concern, and I think m- my response to that is, if it's not working, then change it. You have an, you have somebody who you drafted to be a left guard. If it it really feels like you don't have the right guy there, go ahead and put Ma- Matthew Berger on there. You know, like if it's gonna if he's okay in his development to be there, then okay, put him there. I I don't think that it's this like do or die thing that if it if Matt Hennessy doesn't work out that you don't have any other answer at left guard. I don't necessarily think that. And I also go back to last year with the fact that the Falcons at one point, I'm pretty sure played four different guys at left guard in four different week consecutive weeks. And they were fine. You know, they still ran the ball very well and they still had the protection. And then, so I, I don't think that it, it's really that big of a deal that these two guys are undersized when you, have seen in the past that they still were able to get the job done together. So, any way you slice it, I'm just kind of like, eh, it's it's okay for right now. And if it's not working, change it up.
4: Tori, one of the other things that a lot of the pundits and stuff like that have written about and talked about is the idea of the Falcons need more wide receivers and things like that. And when I look at this offense, (laughs) you know, I I do feel like, though, that there are enough guys – who catch the football, whether they're specific wide receivers or not with Smith and Pitts in London and Scott. Like, I think that they have enough pass catchers for a team that probably is not going to throw it, you know, obviously 600 times like Matt Ryan would, you know, again, I, I don't really see that as much of a concern. I mean, again, yeah, you'd always like to upgrade those spots, but I think they have plenty of guys who can catch the football no matter what position that they're actually playing
0: yeah no i it's funny that you you bring that up because I was definitely in the camp of the Falcons need to draft a wide receiver. i think in every single mock draft that I did leading up to the draft to the to even the like second and third round of the draft, I was like, okay, the falcons are gonna take. <laughs> I, I was I was dead set on the Falcons using one of their second or third round picks on a receiver mm-hmm. every single time I said that they were going to because that's what I I felt like it was a significant need I could not on the roster even with Scotty Miller and even with Mac Hollins like them going out in free agency and getting them I didn't see a surefire wide receiver number two you knew Drake London's wide receiver number one and and I couldn't see a wide receiver number two I don't know if I still can because we haven't really seen you know a a separation after Drake London so because of that I was in that camp like oh the Falcons need more receivers they need receivers they need receivers but then they go get Bajon and then they you know have Johnny Smith and they have Kyle Pitts and they have Cordero Patterson and they have Tyler Algier I, I agree with you they're not hurting for pass catchers and I think it's a situation with the way that this offense is constructed that wide receiver number two could actually be tied in number one or tied in number two or running back number one or running back number two. You know, there's so many different things that you can do within this offense because you have guys who are versatile and can just catch the ball in, in, in different types of looks. And so for all, for all of that being said, it's like, I agree. I I don't think that wide receiver kind of as the offseason went on, you got to see more and more about how these these weapons were going to be used. It's kind of like they didn't need one.
4: So let's talk about the most important position on the football field, and that's quarterback. How do you think that they are going to work Taylor Heineke in? Is it a clear Ritter is one, Heineke is two? Is there some competition there? Will they kind of look at both guys – Will the reps be heavily weighed toward Ritter? Like, what's your sense or your kind of your feel for what's going to look what the quarterback position is going to look like as we move into camp?
0: Yeah, I I think this is Desmond Ritter's job to lose. Honestly, I I, I think that this coaching staff has been very. I don't know if adamant is the right word, but there's never been a question mark as to whether or not Desmond Ritter was going to be the starter after they said that he was going to be the starter. I I think like that in terms of just like the competition. I even Taylor Heineke. I remember we sat down with him on his after he signed. Literally, he he signs on the dotted line and he comes in and does these interviews and he's like, you know, I'm going to be a good backup to Desmond Ritter. And if I have to go out there, I will go out there and do my job and do it to the best of my ability. Like that's always been the language. And so I don't think that changes because of training camp. And I, I think this is, again, I think this is Desmond Ritter's job. He's been working with the ones he's been prepping and practicing and doing all the things a QB one should be doing in the off season. So for me, it's without question that it's Desmond Ritter's number one, Taylor Heineke's number two.
4: Tori McElhaney covers all things Atlanta Falcons for atlantafalcons.com. You can check her out on her personal Twitter page. It's at Tori underscore McElhaney, and she joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Tori, as always, thank you so much for the time of this evening, and uh, listen, we look forward to camp uh, getting started and uh, chatting all season long.
0: You know, can't wait. Just ready for football season to be here.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's it's here. It's officially here. So <laughs> thank you so much, Tori, as uh, always. Thank you. When we come back from the top of the hour, we'll be time for the Falcons flyover. Boy, Steve Smith. Not very uh supportive of Desmond Ritter. We'll get to all of that next. Chuck me in the Key Studios, sports radio at ninety the game the app.